Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Karlsson, 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 I'm currently at a cottage, but I brought my microphone, and I've been thinking, we've been doing a lot of episodes of Keeping Carlson recently, but we haven't yet discussed the NHL draft, which of course happened already quite a few weeks ago, and today I'm walking around at the beach, and I'm listening to this great podcast, Fantasy Hockey Life, hosted by Victor Nuno and Jesse Severe, two patrons and longtime friends of the podcast, and they were talking to Cam Robinson, another longtime friend of the podcast, another prospect expert all about the 2021 NHL draft and I was thinking you know what why should I get Victor or Cam to come on the show and share their prospect expertise when this podcast is perfect it was like a really great episode they covered all of Cam's top fantasy picks from the draft and also a bunch of players who he's not so high on so Brian and I reached out to Victor and Jesse asking them if they'd be cool with us cross posting their episode on our podcast feed so we can share it to all of our listeners that may not be subscribed to Fantasy Hockey Life, which they definitely should be because it's a really great podcast feed. We also reached out to Cam, so we got the green light here. So here for the first time ever on Keeping Carlson, we're going to play an episode of another podcast that we really highly recommend, that we really love. It's the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast where they talked to Cam Robinson all about the 2021 draft. And if you listen to this episode and you really like it, you should subscribe to Fantasy Hockey Life because they've been putting out a whole series of episodes about the 2021 draft. And if you're interested in prospects, that, I think, is your best source. So with all that said, I'm going to cut to that great episode in just a sec. But first, of course, let me mention that Keeping Carlson is presented by DauberHockey.com, your number one source for all things fantasy hockey, including, by the way, Dauber Prospects. So if you're interested in prospects, obviously you should be checking out DauberProspects.com for lots of great lists and rankings. You'll hear Cam talk at the start of the interview about how he very recently worked for Dauber Prospects. Now he works for Elite Prospects. Uh, So DauberHockey.com, DauberProspects.com. You got to check all that out to make sure you're on top of everything. But okay, with that, I am going to... Stop talking to you for the rest of this episode. Let's listen to a recent episode of the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast where Victor Nuno and Jesse Severe talk to Cam Robinson about the 2021 draft. Hope you like it. We are incredibly pleased to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Cam Robinson, one of the top, top experts in the uh, hockey prospect space. And uh, yeah, Cam, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, Cam, I know you have made a recent move, or maybe it's not so recent anymore, but you've made the move to EP Rinkside. I know I was a guy who purchased and downloaded that their draft guide, definitely one of my Bibles for uh, preparing for uh, watching that NHL draft. Uh, how are things going at the, the, new, the new digs over at EP Rinkside? Oh, it's it's going very well. So I I jumped on with with uh, EP Ringside. JD Burke brought me over two years ago, and I stayed on with Dauber Hockey and Dauber Prospects. Um, 
and then, yeah, maybe, I don't know what it was, six or eight months ago, they made, made an offer. I couldn't refuse to, to, to grab me and, and have all my content. And so it was, it was tough to say goodbye to Dauber. You know, he'd been uh, really good to me for a lot of years and helped me find my voice and, and build up to where I've gotten to now. Um, so that was, that was tough, but you know, I left, I left Dauber prospects in some good hands and, and Dauber hockey is obviously still the source for fantasy hockey, even though, uh, I'm writing about it at EP ringside, but no, it's awesome there. Our scouting team, we have a tremendous group, so smart. I'm always peeling ideas off people, just trying to soak up their wisdom. Got a great chat going on there. So it's, it's an eclectic group and, and a lot of smart people and yeah, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. It's a wonderful site. So people should be checking that out. Well, Cam, uh, Victor is chomping at the bit. He actually, I see him biting his fingernails and twitching a little bit. Uh, It could be from the coffee, but I think more likely it is from the prospects. So, Victor, why don't you start asking some questions about all these amazing NHL draft prospects? And I can't imagine who you might want to lead off with. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we uh so yeah we asked cam you know some guys that he's higher on than consensus and uh and some lower guys so i'll, I'll tee him off here and yeah the first guy that uh that we're that we're gonna ask him about is the guy who fell to seventh overall william eklund san jose sharks i i think got one of the steals of the draft for sure and you know the the list of guys that have done what he did in the SHL this year, Kevin Fiala, Elias Lindholm, Nick Backstrom, Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Marcus Naslin, and Peter Forsberg. That is pretty pretty good company, uh, Cam, and, and definitely excited to hear what you have to say about William. I'm super stoked that I get to cheer for him in a Sharks uniform, hopefully soon. Yeah, I'm surprised that you're interested in this player there, Victor. It's it's totally out of character for you. Uh, no, I, I think I said it on air when they made that pick. I was like, San Jose just got an A grade for their draft. Like that, getting him at seven, he's maybe he doesn't have the highest pure offensive upside. We can maybe give that to Kent Johnson, but Eklund would be two there. But for my money, he was the safest bet to be a star forward, a star skater um, from, from this class. It was, it seemed like a layup that he should go top three to me, but you know, as, as the picks kept coming and he kept falling, I was like, Oh man, I, I did hear some whispers about that pre-draft too. I, it's really interesting that some Swedish scouts were lower on him than some North American ones. And so like earlier on in the year, that kind of, uh, you know, I had that little bug in my year i was like well these guys are watching them probably closer and for longer than i have like what am i missing so but i went back and like there's just his game is very complete he's not a burner but he's he's quick and he plays with excellent pace obviously has great skill um his ability to find that trailer the 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 soft touch and you know little slip passes here and there and very, very pro-like, like that'll translate super well for him. Um, and like you said, you know, he crushed the, the SHL as a 18 year old this year. And you don't see that very often, um, out, out produced Holtz and, and Raymond. So he's going to be a player. I think, you know, I think he should probably play another season in, in the SHL. If, if I'm calling the shots, um, you know, maybe he's one of these sneaky guys because he's a late O2 birthday that he could sneak in with the sharks, but long-term, I think you're looking at a safe bet for a second line guy who can help out, you know, probably on all your special teams. Um, but then the first line upsides there, right? He could be a 70, 75 point guy who's going to be responsible enough defensively and, and not hurt you in that regard too. So I think it's a hell of a pick for, for the sharks at seven. I think for fantasy wise, again, you know, maybe you want to get crazy and, and look at, you know, do you, do you think that Volstad falling to Minnesota and he's going to be there in a hurry and Minnesota's doing some cool stuff. You know, you want to go that the, the goalie really early, but you know, Eklund's kind of been the guy I've been saying number one for fantasy drafts for a while, even before he fell to the sharks. And that's if he had landed in, you know, Buffalo, even I probably still would have put him there. 
Would you though? Would you? <laughs> yeah, 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 good point. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good point. And I have him. I had Walsett at the top of my fantasy rankings for a while, and then I flipped Eklund up there. So I I think that it really helps being in the Sharks who need you know guys to start contributing now. And and he's more NHL ready than all the guys they took last year. I think you know being so in, in the SHL already. Uh, maybe you have a different take on that. And I also heard that the Sharks kind of want to make him a center. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Mm, I hadn't heard that yet. You know, it's interesting because I was talking to a Euro scout there and he was saying that they had, did they announce the pick as a center or was that Kent Johnson? I think that might've been Kent Johnson. But anyways, he was saying that, uh, you know, he hasn't seen him play a game at center in over two years. And that's the same for me. He's been a pure wing the last two seasons, draft minus one and and this one. Um, I don't really see him as a center except for the fact that vision, like he has excellent vision to see to see things happening that you don't see even when you're watching it on on tape where all of a sudden he's hitting a trailer that i'm even missing i've got the bird's eye view um so that that alone it, that's a center quality right so elias Pettersson played wing for most of his two draft you know his draft minus one in his draft year he played almost exclusively on the wing too but he had those elements to his game you're like if he can clean up the skating this guy could be a center and he did that and now he's doing it so eklund doesn't have to clean up his skating as much he doesn't have that incredible skill like that Patterson has, but I, you know, I could see it. I've always kind of pegged him as a winger, um, but the sharks, they probably could use some more center depth in their prospect pool too. So it's that'll, that'll often facilitate things, right? If an organizational need is like, we got the best player available and he could be able to fit this hole that we have organizationally, let's give it a try. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to at least force that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that the, the Sharks are kind of drooling at what you just said, comparing him to Elias Pettersson. Um, but, uh, you know, that that may or may not come to fruition. But I know that the Kings fans are drooling over who fell to them at eighth overall. Brant Clark taking the fourth defenseman off the board. And I think, uh, you know, probably one of the guys that benefited the most from the team who took him. And the Kings really kind of had that need for a high offensive defenseman. And why is he, you know, so high on your board? Oh man, just a, just a perfect fit. And so I had, I had that Intel like months ago that LA they're like, if Clark is sitting there at eight, we are taking him. And so, you know, a lot of my following is Canucks fans and they were picking nine. And that's because of a couple of garbage time wins at the end of the season vaulted them up where they should have been picking like top six. And, uh, and so, you know, a lot of people were like, Brant Clark is, you know, that we want Brant Clark. And it's pretty unlikely unless they maybe LA moves that pick to try to get Eichel or something like that. But, it, you know, like you said, if they have a need in their pipeline, which is disgustingly stocked right now um, for a really offensive power play one guy. And there he is sitting at number eight. So for me, I had Brant Clark number one on my board. I flip flopped on it for much of the season. Both times I ended up publishing late, though. Um, he did end up being number one for me. You know, I had Eklund at one until the night before I published the first one. Like, I literally was losing sleep over it. And at the last minute, I was like, flip, one, two, for the final one. Uh, the kid's the kid's excellent. So I had a chance to speak of him several times. He's a great kid, but he's very, very intelligent. He knows his limitations, um, what he needs to work on, and he knows what he's good at too. Um, I think he's going to be an excellent defender, even though he's got that little knock need skating thing going on there. But for fantasy purposes, right shot kid playing on the top power play soon to be with, you know, players like Byfield and Kaliev and Turcotte and everyone else that they have going in. Obviously, Anze Kopitar is still around and, you know, they just added Victor Arvidsson. So another scoring threat, it's he's going to be their guy on PP1. 
and it's going to be awesome. And so I've got an article coming out for EP um, in a couple of days here, just talking about kind of the risers and fallers for fantasy landscape from the draft. And Clark's definitely on that list. It, it's, you know, if he went to Buffalo, it's like, womp, womp, you know, the, the, the plummet of his value would go the, you know, the way of the way. So um, to go to LA, I think that's a perfect spot for him. I think it's perfect for their organization. I think he's going to clean up his skating tried. It's more of a strength issue than a technical thing. And, you know, he's got, top pairing upside for sure but even like number one defenseman upside so at number eight like we say the sharks won the draft at seven like la didn't do so bad at eight yeah for sure i yeah you could argue that they won it too especially with the the later picks that they made uh much better than the sharks i think um but i know that your colleague over at elite prospects uh, mitch brown I mean, he was very critical of the skating. He's critical of everyone's skating, frankly. Uh, he was saying that he's basically borderline not even an NHLer based on his skating. Uh, but you seem to not be so worried that he can fix that. Not at all. And Mitch and I have battled about that. So Mitch hates everybody, too. Um, if it was up to Mitch, we'd rank like three players every year for our, for our draft board. And the rest would be do not, do not drafts. We razz him about that. Uh, no, I, I do not think it's going to be that big of an issue. Already, he's extremely shifty elusive you know he went over to the slovakia this year and played pro and it's you know not the ahl or the shl but it's still pro hockey against men in europe and he handled it very very well um i talked to a couple skills coaches and a skating skating coach because you know the the skating it's it's you know you you need to correct that form if he's going to be able to to pivot properly against speedy wingers coming down on them and to a man they all just said they're like strength and put him on a program like I can have that cleaned up in a summer. Like no one was really concerned about that. And so I'm guessing that on the team side, it wasn't that big a concern either. It's just, you know, I think the reason he was the fourth guy off is that power was going number one. You know, he's six foot six and he skates like he does. Evanston, Evanston, six foot five. And they kind of matched up in Detroit there. Um, who else went ahead of him? Was he the fourth one or was he the third one? Hughes. Oh, right. Luke, Luke Hughes. Hughes. Of course, right? New Jersey was going to do that all day just to sell tickets. Um, I actually don't think they're in the same class of talent, to be completely honest with you. Um, so it, it just kind of was circumstance that he ended up falling to be the fourth D off the board. But I know that there was teams that were very, very high on him. And, you know, uh, I won't say on, on air, but like one team I talked to their scout that they were a coin flip kind of thing earlier on that he could have gone earlier in the draft too. And they they went the other direction. Um, so, it, you know, it just takes one team for a guy to go early as we saw you know McCavish going three I liked him at two but a lot of people thought he was going to be closer to 10 and the Ducks liked him they jumped on him and if they didn't who knows he might have been around there at seven or eight or nine well since you brought him up why don't we go to McTavish now because he was also on your list and he this the Swiss-born Canadian was one of the players who barely played this year one of the victims of the OHL not starting arguably um you know one of the was arguably the best draft eligible player at the U18s. And it sounds like uh, you don't think that was a reach at all for Anaheim, huh? No, yeah, like I said, I have number two on my board. I had him there for a while. Just, I love the way he plays. So, you know, he's already a big boy, 6'2". He's he's close to 210 already. And that's like without that man muscle that he's going to put on. So he might stay at that weight, but he's only going to get stronger. Um, He plays like a complete game. I think he's going to be just an excellent defensive forward. Like I'm talking about a nightmare shutdown guy but also with that offense to burn too. So he's not a speedy guy, 
I think his skating has improved immensely since his draft minus one year, um, which I was happy to see. So he went over and he was playing in the top Swiss league there. Um, and he, he looked good. Like he, he had, he was out banging guys like 30 year old pros and at his age and, and just looked overly comfortable. And then, like you said, the U 18s, he had a great U 18. Um, he didn't shoot it. Like I had one scout, you know, I, I stole a quote off him cause I was looking for an awesome ones for, for the articles. Right. And he said, you know, he's a great kid, really responsible and he can shoot it through a car door. And it's like, yeah, like he had the, he has the hardest pure shot in the draft. Like he's not going to probably beat you with that big whipping wrister that like a Dylan Gunther will do, but he pops out in the bumper spot on the power play and just rips it. Like it's like, it is NHL plus plus already. So I think that's going to serve him very, very well. The big question is, is like, how's Anaheim going to deploy him? And I was, uh, you know, having some drinks after the draft with you know, Filipovich and Thomas Drance and J.D. Burke and some of these guys. And we were talking about it. And, you know, Thomas is convinced that he's going to be a winger. And, you know, J.D. and I, we were both like, no, no, this guy's a pure center. Like he's going to play. But in Anaheim, they want Trevor Zegers to be a center, right? They sent him down to the minors last year and they're like, we're going to, you know, he's good enough to be in the NHL, but we want him to be a center long-term. So we're going to send him down to the gulls and play the middle and have him learn down there. So they want him to be a center. So two scenarios are going to work out here. Either he's the number one center Zegers and they insulate him with Mason McTavish as the number two center to take all the heavy matchups, take those defensive zone draws. That's going to hurt his fantasy value, obviously, right? He's probably going to play on the top power play anyways, though, and be that bumper guy in, in you know, a la Bo Horvat, who plays second line and then plays top power play, and he's good for 60-odd points. Um, or they're going to pop McTavish up on the wing next to Zegras and insulate him that way. So he can take, uh, you know, weak side draws. He can sometimes take the defensive matchups too away from Zegras. And then he can be the trigger man for a, like a tremendous passer. And if that's the case, then his fantasy value really spikes up. Then we could see, you know, 35 goals and 75 points coming from him, maybe a PPG season here and there, like that could really elevate his stock. So it'll be interesting to see. They don't have a ton of depth down the middle in, in their pipeline. So, it, you know, for my money, it seems like a no brainer that they just lock down their, their second line center forever um, from a team side of thing, from an offensive point of view. And for him and for fantasy purposes, you know, maybe they give him a look with Zegers on the wing. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree that it seems like he <clears throat> is going to play center and, and take those tough matchups. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. And they have a guy like Perot, you know, that, that could probably be that trigger man for Zegris. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see how that works out. Either way, it seems like a really great pick for him. Um, th- another guy that is on your list here, and I think a lot of us pre-draft thought that this would have been a, that Ken Johnson would have been a perfect landing spot for Vancouver at nine. The BC native uh, tore up the BCHL in his draft minus one season, then went over a point per game as a freshman. Uh, that was pretty phenomenal. Uh, but I'm guessing you don't think that Columbus reached too far at five, which is a bit higher than I thought he would go. But yeah, you like Ken Johnson? I mean, I like him, especially for fantasy, because the kid's got the kid's got juice like he has slick, slick hands. Um, He's creative. He kind of weaves in and around. He doesn't get in the dotted line enough for me. So into the middle of the ice, Um, especially, you know, they announced the pick as, you know, center from the University of Michigan. It's like, is he a center? You know, he, he played center in the BC, um, didn't play last year. Matty Beneers was his, his center basically for every shift he was out there. And uh, Thomas Bordalo, maybe a couple of times, but you know, he, he has that, he has that silky, silky play creation um, ability. So, you know, that is, you know, uh, what centers often will the great top line center. So they're going to try to work him into the middle of the ice by, by all sounds of it here. So 
you know, he's a kid that I didn't expect to translate so quickly and efficiently to the NCAA coming out of the BC. Um, awesome for trail, like a lot of fun to watch and, and his draft minus one tape. I think he scored three Michigans um, that year, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Um, but no, he at Columbus, I had him, I think, number eight on my board, um, giving respect to the, the slight bit of bus factor there. That if he's not, if he doesn't break right, you know, what's he going to be? What kind of player is this guy going to be if he doesn't have first line upside? Is he going to be a, like, you know, kind of a, a passenger on a second line? And if that's the case, that's, you know, that's okay. But that's Sven Berchi. That's these guys that kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, maybe they get you 2020, a couple years, uh, something like that. So that's not ideal, but the ceiling is there the ceilings there as a, like a really impactful guy who can you know, hurt you big time on the power play um, and drive a little bit of offense at five on five too. So I had heard some buzz uh, leading up to the draft that Columbus at five was really interested in him. Um, and then you got a text like a couple minutes before being like, yeah, watch out here, here, here we go. Kent Johnson, you know, Port Moody kid. So I like him out here in, in, Vancouver. So I was happy to see him go early. And I, you know, his story is pretty neat too. He was really, really small like way, way underdeveloped, like five foot three um, playing Bantam, but just a wizard and like so much better than everybody else. And, you know, his goal was, he's like, I'm going to get drafted. Like I'm going to be the last pick in the seventh round. Like that's my goal. I'm going to show everybody that a small guy can do it. And then he grew and he, and you know, all of a sudden he's six foot one and, and he's a top five pick and he's never played for Canada internationally. Like he's, I don't even know if he's been invited to camps. He, so that is super rare. Obviously he's at the, at the showcase right now in the summer here. So he'll probably be playing for Canada pretty soon. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a good kid and a good story. And, and I think he definitely has a lot of upside in fantasy. Yeah. We haven't been thinking about Columbus as, as high yield for, for fantasy, but that might be changing with quick rebuild. Yeah. Some of the guys. Yeah, they crushed last weekend. Like that, that was awesome. That Seth Jones trade, like they killed that. And then you know, getting Johnson, getting Sillinger. I feel like they got someone else good later too. They did well. They did well. I was impressed with what they they accomplished. Boquist, right, and pulling in that deal. He's going to help them out immensely, I think too. They they won like the whole ten days, you know, from free agency to yeah. the draft and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So, all right. Well, the next guy is uh, Zach Dean. He went thirtieth overall to the Vegas Golden Knights right before the first round went kind of sideways there, um, but we don't need to get into that. He's a uh, um, uh, left shot center. He played for the Gatineau Olympiques. Uh, twenty points in twenty three games this year seems a bit un- underwhelming to the eye test, but there's some reasons why you're so high on Zach Dean. Yeah, from the from the eye test, like if we're looking at the stats, it is underwhelming for sure. Um, he's just one of these guys that when you watch him, you're like, how does he not have two points a game? Like he plays with like a breakneck pace. Like he is always flying. The jersey is flapping. Excellent hands. Like some of the best hands in the crop. He loves to engage physically. He's not the biggest guy. I think he's like six foot, maybe six one, but he's he's fairly thin at this point. So he'll need some strength. Uh, you know, we could just dub that in for every player, basically, that we're talking about, except for Owen Power and McTavish, maybe. Um, but he he's one of these guys that just... I had our Q scout put it, put a bug in my ear early on in the season. Like this is, this kid's got some, some stuff and, you know, I watched a ton of them and I love his upside. Like he's last year, Maverick Bork was a similar type of player who, but he had some pretty good counting stats too. It was like, he's better than the stats are showing. And people are going to look at the stats and be like, eh, mid round, you know, mid, mid first round or maybe tail end. And, you know, with, with Dean, there was a lot of buzz that he wasn't, he wasn't going to go on day one, that he would have fallen into the forties or fifties. And we'd be looking back and be like, what were teams thinking is that I had him, you know, if they have a full season next year, like watch him go back to Gatineau and pop a hundred points next year. Like he's just going to explode with like a little bit more maturity and some reps to his game. 
I think a really clear top six upside. Like, yeah, you're, you're taking a bit of a risk and at 30, it's like no big deal here um, that he doesn't play out that way. Uh, but Vegas, especially in a, in a system that lacks centers and has just consistently lacked centers since it's been, been around. Um, now they got Brendan Brisson and Zach Dean, like, two good shots at getting a top six center out of at least one of them. So, um, you know, if it works out, you know, they got a lot of shooting options on the wing. He's going to be a bit of a weight though. He's not going to be one of these guys that he's going to play one more season in junior and then step into the NHL. I imagine it's another junior season, an AHL season, you know, half an AHL, half an NHL. And so you're looking four or five years down the road. So if you're drafting for anything impactful in the next couple of years and, you know, put them on your watch list. Yeah, definitely. The next guy is Logan Stankoven, the Kamloops BC native, uh, generously listed by some sites at 510. Uh, at least at 5'8. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his size is definitely a reason why he went 47th to Dallas. Last season, he and Gunther were pretty close in their draft minus one season for WHL guys, uh, but Gunther definitely pulled away this season. Although uh, Stankoven had a better U18 for as far as I can tell. Um, do you see these two as close as closer than where they were drafted? And, and why is Stanky a favorite of yours? Yeah, much closer than where they're drafted. So I think I had him 17 on my board, clear top 20 talent um, plays like, you know, he's got dirt under his fingernails too. Like he, he's five foot eight, but he's not afraid to get in there. Now, granted to get in there against U18 competition or in the WHL is a different animal than getting in there against the NHL. But, uh, you know, the, the willingness, the fearlessness is there in his game. He's a shooter. So, you know, similar to Gunther, the kid can rip it. He knows how to finish. He doesn't have as pure a shot, you know, the way that Gunther can let it go off his outside foot in flight is NHL ready, you know, six months ago. Like he, he's ready to go score some goals. Um, Stankoven will probably have to adjust his game, but, you know, him falling to 47, as soon as day two happened, he should have been the first pick of day two. Like it's just the the upside is so immense. Um, so there's no reason he should fall, but there's the uh, Reese Jessop. So he used to scout for the Panthers for four or five years, and now he's a free agent. And his hot take this year, and he his his region for the Panthers was, was the Western league. Um, so he knows that league very, very well. He's like that Stankhoven's better than, than Gunther, that that was his ranking. He had Stankhoven one um, ahead of Gunther. And, you know, that was spicy, spicy, spicy. I couldn't get that far on board with it, but you know, with Dallas, they seem to find a way to mine second rounders too, right? Like they, they have this habit of drafting guys in the second and the third round. And then, you know, Rupe Hints is a, is a classic example of it. It's just this kid that everyone's kind of like, mm, you know, did they, they might've taken hints actually late in the first round, but the guys that are pegged anyways, later on, they're kind of like, eh. they find value out of guys and they have an excellent player de- development system. So I, I'm going to put a lot of trust into that is that they develop their players well. And so I think it's a good program that he's going to, I think, think that they maximize their talent coming up and you know yeah risk obviously anytime you're betting on a kid who's five foot eight and who isn't an elite burner there's a lot of risk attached to it so um he could bust out and be a really good khl player or a quad a guy who bounces up and down between the eight or you've got yourself a top six scoring guy who can help out on the pp um and you know is going to be a fan favorite too i think Definitely. Uh, Jason Robertson, another one. That, yeah, uh, there was day two. Yep. 39th overall back in 2017. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I'm, I, I did a I did a, um, a profile over the hockey writers of Stankoven, and this was back in, you know, early like March, February, March. And I'm like looking at him and Gunther and thinking like, 
yeah, these guys are not that far away. And then uh, to see how it ended up was kind of surprising. Um, so that's uh, that's good to hear. But I agree. I'm not sure I could get quite all the way to better than Gunther. Um, yeah. That's tough. I like the spice though, right? Like uh, yeah. if you're going to have an opinion, it might as well be a good one, right? Like go go all out for it. Yeah, keep it spicy. Yeah. We got a spicy one later. Uh, so oh, listen for that. Right. Uh, the next guy is Matthew Coronado, the New York native toured up for the Chicago Steel this season enough to Calgary like him at 13th overall. Uh, I'm always a little uh, skeptical when guys explode in their draft season after a very modest draft minus one. And I know that the EP guide pointed out that he had 17 fewer goals than expected, um, which is a little bit of a, of a thing to sort of think about. But tell us why you're not worried about Coronado. 17 more goals than expected, right? Right, the other way. More yeah. goals than expected. Yeah, 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 yeah. Imagine he had 17 fewer than expected. He should have like paced out for 70 <laughs> this year. Dude should have had 70. He only popped 50 from whatever. Um, no, he he knows how to finish. He knows how to finish for sure. That Chicago Steel program, right? Like it's just been churning out product for a couple of years now. Um, they just lost their GM Hardy to to the Leafs in a developmental role with the AHL club there too. So that's a that big loss for the Steel, um, Ryan Hardy. Uh, you know, Coronado, I had, I'd heard a lot of buzz again, you know, that Calgary was interested for just from, just from talking around the horn a little bit. And and so I had that earmarked and I called that pick too, is that they wanted a finisher and he was kind of the guy that, you know, he scored 50 odd goals in, in 50 odd games in between regular season and playoffs. But like we at EP, we had Mackie Samoskevich rated higher because there's, when you're looking at players, especially playing tier two junior, like the USHL is that like he can have 50 goals, but how many are NHL goals, right? Translatable goals. So like I can go out and score four goals in beer league. It doesn't mean any one of them is going in in the show. Um, so we looked at, at Skamoskevich's game and we were like, this is a more translatable skill set. The upside isn't the same because if Coronado can break right, like obviously he has the finishing ability that he could be a more impactful player, but the skating's not great. The size is, you know, he's not an, a big player. So when that's kind of a combo there, it's like, you know, I'd like my smaller players to be a little bit quicker. Um, he he has great hands. He, I really like his hands and his release is fast and it's versatile. And, and that allows him to score goals. Um, he doesn't drive really into the hard areas of the ice. I'm just not sure how he's going to be a productive finisher at the next level, unless he's playing with some really smart players. So if he goes to Calgary and it's like, hey, you know, we took you 13th overall. That's a lot of draft capital. We're going to give you every opportunity to succeed. So whether that's with Johnny Goodrow, whether that's with Jack Eichel, maybe, or something fun like that, um, it, it remains to be seen. But if they, I imagine that spending that kind of capital on him is that he's going to get a lot of chances to figure it out once he turns pro, right? So the kid's going to Harvard shades of, out of Fox, maybe, maybe he plays three and then he demands a trade, but um, he's a smart kid. And so I like to put some stock in smart players. And so he's smart on the ice and he's obviously smart off the ice, um, but he's a project pick. So I, I think we wait and see, see what he does um, play in there in the Ivy league. And then the upside though, at this point of the draft in this draft class, when you're drafting for fantasy, it's like, you got to look for the upside and the kid's got some upside too. So even though he went 13th overall, so that's probably going to put him just on people's radars for fantasy drafts in this class versus like a Stan Coven where they have to scroll down a little further on, on the EP list. Um, you know, I, I, he has the upside to put in the right position. Oh, I, Let's hope for Calgary's sake that that he doesn't. Uh, Coronado does not pull a Adam Fox. That would be, That'd be funny. I, I'd be all right with that. Yeah, <laughs> I like to see other people suffer. Yeah, yeah the Schadenfreude <laughs> would be great. Yes. 
All right. So the last guy on your guys you like more is Isak Rosen, who was, uh, you know, impressive that he played 22 SHL games, but he might have been one of the guys that, that uh, you know, the stock didn't really help so much playing under six minutes a night. Um, that, you know, was hard to kind of show what he could do. But I think you saw some some glimpses of uh, why Buffalo was smart to take him at 14th overall. I really liked this pick and not because I had him ranked in that range either. Like I had had him in the teens earlier on and I think he ended up like 24 or something on my list. Um, But I like the pick for Buffalo because it's like, they're just saying, screw it. Like let's swing on upside. The kid is an electric skater. So we run a nine, a nine point scale for skating at EP and like, you know, nobody gets a nine, like maybe we'd give McDavid a nine. So it's really like an eight point scale. Um, and nobody gets an eight really ever either. It's really difficult to get that kind of level of skating. So he got a six and a half, which I think was tied for the, for the top in this class. Um, really great skater. And he's doing it at like 155 pounds. So when you can do it at that size, when you add that leg strength and that core strength, it, it's only going to get you know, better. And so he's not going to be a player who's going to just bulk up to like 210 and all of a sudden can't move. That's not his style. He's slight and he's slippery. Um, and he's got puck skills. Like he, he can handle the puck at, you know, top speed really, really well. And that's the reason he got those SHL games this year. Um, even though it was six minutes a night is as, as a kid who, you know, I think he's an O three birthday too. So he was a straight up 17 year old, um, to go get pulled up, and play that many games in the SHL, it's because he could drive through the neutral zone with speed, handle the puck, and gain entry into the zone. And that's really all he had to do. At the J20, you know, he got to do that and more. And and, and obviously, he, you know, the, the points popped a lot more. So he can finish really well. He's got the great hands. He's got the great speed. He's going to leave something to be desired defensively off puck. Um, but responsible enough to play pro hockey this year. So I think that's telling of where his mind is and where he could get to. I think it's a great upside pick. First line upside bust factors baked in. That's cool for fantasy. Why not? Right. Again, it sucks where he went to, because it's like, I don't know anybody who wants to draft anyone out of Buffalo these days. Like I, I could have traded Rasmus Dahlin for Adam Fox, like uh, 30 seconds before Fox blew up last year. And I'm just killing myself that I didn't do it because Dahlin's a tremendous talent, but he's trapped in Buffalo with nothing to work with. And it's not going to get better anytime soon. So it's just a wasteland there. So, you know, for Rosen, he can stick around the SHL for a couple of years and maybe come over when there's new ownership or some shit and it can help him out. I think that is one of the benefit of, of him being in the SHL is just stay over there. Just stay you know, away. Li- listen to those <laughs> development coaches and yeah, stay away from Buffalo until you absolutely have to or get traded. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah. All right. So we finished all the guys that you like better than consensus. There's a few guys that you don't like uh, as much as the consensus, starting off with uh, one of the familial ties in this draft. One of the many Luke Hughes uh, was a really fun story watching that, uh, that family kind of react to the trade. Uh, it was, it was fun. You know, Jack being so excited and, and Quinn actually looked happy for, for once, uh, which was kind of fun to see, but uh, why is Luke a little bit, a bit of a reach at four? I just don't, I, <laughs> He just he doesn't have the upside for my money to be to be taken in that spot. And I and I understand why they did it. You know, it's I, I guess I understand why. To to have brothers on your team, you know, being from the Vancouver area, obviously the twins, it sold tickets, it was unique because they're twins, but like they played together. You know, they played on the same line and had that innate ability to work with each other like no one else in the league. Luke and Jack 
aren't going to play together. Like they're going to be on the ice together sometimes and Luke will throw an outlet pass to him. Like, but it's not nearly the same thing. It's like, you know, did Rob and Scott Niedemeyer really light it up because they were brothers and do they win cups? Because that's like, no, it's they're on good teams. Um, and they just happen to be brothers. But for me, you know, Luke is a good skater, North South, very good skater. I think he's going to cause fits in transition, um, being either leading the rush or being that fourth man who's coming up and, and acting as a, as a the fourth forward. So, um, there's the opportunity there. I think his rushes are, you know, it's all about trying to figure out what he's going to do as he's doing it. So there's nothing pre-planned. He's just kind of reading, reacting. And when he does that, oftentimes you run into trouble, right? You get yourself into trouble. You give up a, you miss a high danger opportunity because you don't see it in time. He's very young though. So I'll give him that is for this crop. He's very, very young. He's, you know, a week or 10 days away from being eligible for the 2022 class. And I place a lot of value in that too, right? Like when you, I'm sure you guys, <clears throat> excuse me, you can remember when you were 17, to 18, even though you're probably still an idiot at 18, like there's growth, right? There's physical maturity, mental, emotional, you know, it's all there. Um, so he's basically a full year younger than Owen power. And so he's going to have another year of taking reps, right? So he's going to Michigan next year. He'll probably end up playing with power. They're both on the left side, but um, he's going to learn these things at Ann Arbor and, and he'll get those reps and maybe he can clean it up. He's not nearly as shifty as Quinn or Jack. Like he's not the same type of skater um, that you can't touch in a phone booth and he's going to draw all these highlights, um, but he is going to be able to move the puck really, really well. He's got that modern style game. I just don't see the offensive upside unless unless they, they try to smash him into, into a PP job, but they just signed Dougie Hamilton forever. So that's pretty unlikely too. Right. So he's looking, we're looking at a kid who's going to probably play second pairing minutes and secondary power play minutes too. And so for fantasy, especially on a team like New Jersey, that isn't projecting as being as, as a, you know, really deep club. uh, That's really meh for me. I'm not really interested in him. Cam, unless, unless this is just a, a prelude to them signing Quinn Hughes. Because then they got all three brothers, right? I mean, then it's a set. I think you should go on Vancouver radio and announce that. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something that be just because probably not too many Vancouver fans will, will hear this. Um, this won't happen now since they drafted Luke, since the Devils got him. But a few months ago, I had like a, a pretty prominent person on the team side tell me to watch out that the Canucks don't trade Pedersen for Jack Hughes is that they were hoping to do the whole three brother thing is that that was on their mind. It also would have helped save their cap situation a little bit because Hughes has another year on his entry level. They could have kicked the can down the road an extra year instead of they're going to have to get Pedersen his big second contract. Now Um, that that was something that was swirling around behind closed doors that there was interest there about potentially moving Pedersen for Hughes in a one for one and then trying to get doing everything they could to get Luke Hughes and having all three brothers. And I think that that would have been hilarious. Um, mostly because of like the reputation that the Hughes brothers have is like, these guys are per, they have personality. Let's say that, you know, that this <laughs> Quinn Quinn is the least is the most understated of the three, but like those boys, at, you know, 17, 18 walking into a dressing room and, you know, they think that they're the hot shit for sure. So um, that would have been really interesting, a dynamic with three of those guys in the room. And, and just from like a, a chaos factor, that would have been just insane. <laughs> that would have been wild. Right. Uh, and I think New Jersey says no to that deal for sure. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's me. Like I wouldn't trade Pedersen for, for Jack Hughes. I think the devils should have stomped on the yes button. If that was the offer. Oh man. Uh, for fantasy though. Do you think, do you like Pedersen more than Jack's upside? Yeah. Yeah, I do. 
I think I think Pedersen's got that like 110, 115 upside. We'll see if he gets there, but like we're maybe even higher. Like if if put in the right spots and you know hit the high shooting percentages and the high PDO for a season, like I could see like 120, 125 heart season. Jack, I think he's gonna be really good. I think he could be you know, 90 point regular type guy, 80 to 90, 95, but I'm not sure I see that like huge Patty Kane monster one off for one or, you know, two season upside. So I would put Pedersen ahead. I've got them both in a keeper league and yeah, I rate, I rate Pedersen higher. Nice. Wow. That's yeah, definitely. Uh, so good by low for, for, for Peterson. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing about Luke. I know that uh, the, the comparisons are always made to, to Quinn and obviously Luke is, is bigger. And, and, and we talked a little bit about the hockey sense. Uh, how, how much of that, I mean, I don't think that, I think that's the biggest issue really is he doesn't like have the, the same like, you know, processing and ability uh, that the other brothers have, but how much of that do you think can improve, especially because he is so young or, you know, like, I know that's one of the hardest things to improve on, right? Like, I don't know that he'll ever be, uh, have the, have the hockey IQ that Quinn does, but how close do you think he could get? It's really hard. It's, it's. It's innate, I think, is that these guys that see things happen quicker, can predict it, can get the jump on plays, can just be this the quarterback out there. It's it's something that you either you have or you don't. And I think that repetition is going to help everybody, right? Like you you play your four years a junior, you're going to be a much better player than when you first stepped in just, you know, because you have been there, done that, seen it. And so throughout NHL careers, we see these guys incremental improvements because they're getting bigger, stronger, more mature, seasoned. Um, so that's that's definitely going to help him. But I don't think he's all of a sudden going to figure out how to be an offensive dynamo. Um, it's like people who compare Owen Power to Victor Hedman because they're both tall and can skate well. It's like, no, Hedman had like literally elite offensive awareness on the ice when he was 16, 17. And Owen Power just doesn't have that. And I don't, I don't see, I don't know if I can come up with one player that has ever developed that after being drafted. You know, some of these guys have their numbers pop after being drafted. And that's just, you know, like we talked about Zach Dean, it's just situational. Is that if you watch them closely, you're like, everything was there. It just wasn't, it just wasn't happening. Um, and then it happens later on when they're drafted or, you know, two or three years after they're drafted, everything comes together. Maybe they got stronger or just things worked out. They got into a better position, but I, I don't know if I can think of one player that's really improved their offensive awareness enough to like, be like, Holy smokes. Like he went from being kind of a dumb, dumb out there to being an elite thinker. Like it just doesn't really happen. Yeah. Speaking of those guys, the the next guy on your list, Simone Edvinson, uh, seems to have a little bit of that too. I'm very grateful that Detroit took Edvinson at six as that allowed the Sharks to get Eklund. Um, and I was uh, fully expecting the Stevie Y to take the best suite available, but I, I'm not even sure he was the second best, frankly. Um, and and I've I've made the comparison of Edvinson to uh, Ristolainen, even though um, you got the sweetest uh, finish thing there, but it seems like he's got a little bit of that uh, that you know, um, processing situational awareness, kind of a, you know, hockey IQ issue. Um, what do you think about Edmondson? Yeah, I'm not super high on him. He was, he fell outside my top 10. I think I had him 11 or something like that. Um, maybe even 12 kids, big six, four, six, five. He can skate really well. He's actually not bad defensively. So wrist is an absolute train wreck defensively, right? He's a tire fire. Um, you know, guys compare him to like, same with Tyler Myers too. And it's, I don't think those are comps because those guys are pretty good at offense and can't defend to save their lives. Evanson's not that bad at defense. Like he has a, a pretty nuanced defensive game, especially like in coverage down low. Um, but his offensive game is trash. Like he just rushes the puck all the time without 
really doing much of anything every now and again, it'll work out and it'll be like, Holy smokes. Like this dude can wheel. It's like Yanni Yermo. I don't know if you guys watched him. He's a finished product. He's, he's like six, five skates. Like he's the kids can really, really wheel. But like, and so every now and again, he'll pick it up behind the net and he'll come flying through and he'll make a deke in the neutral zone and it'll work. And he'll make another one across a blue line. He's got himself a, an open shot and he scores. And you're like, Oh my God, imagine if he did that all the time. And then he'll try it like 15 more times and not even come close to doing it. And so Evanson's got a little bit of that going on. He's not, he's not a, he's not a big picture thinker on the offensive side of things. I think he, he would be best served to just be like, I'm a settle in and be more of a defensive defenseman who can skate the puck out and make a, a clean outlet pass and then get back. Now going to Detroit, I imagine, you know, they've already got Mo Sider and the kid's just a truck back there. Um, he's going to be just so, so good. Uh, maybe not super good fantasy for just point upside, but he's like, he's a one D coming for sure. And so they'll probably pair up Edvinson with him and be like, okay, Edvinson, you be the guy to rush the puck. And I don't think that that's going to work out so well um, unless he figures some things out, which we said is very difficult to do. So, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll put them both on, on different pairs and they'll be the defensive guys and Stevie Weil bring them along properly. You know, Detroit has done a pretty good job in their player development over the, the history of their club too. So, I won't discount that pick. Um, I obviously didn't have them that high myself, so I don't love it for them. And I don't love his upside for fantasy. So for our purposes, it's meh for me. Yeah, definitely. I had a much lower too. Um, all right. So the, the next guy is Danilo Chaika, who played mm-hmm. in uh, s- several different leagues this year. I know, I know there's a lot of varying opinions on him. He's a big body, but he, he's not like overly physical uh, under 10 minutes a night for CSK this year. Vegas took him 38th overall, which uh, maybe is a little a little rich for you, huh? Yeah, I mean, like this one I just threw out there just because I like really didn't like him and he almost ended up as a do not draft for me, but he went 38. So, you know, there was talk that he was going to go top 15, in which case I would have just like hammered the club who took him. Um, so he's a really tools a kid, like, you know, 6'3 and he can skate well. That's going to afford you some opportunities on the back end. But like he had such an awful season over in Russia. And so the OHL went down and he didn't get a spot to play. And so he had to go home and it was bad. It was, it was bad. MHL, VHL, KHL. Like I just didn't, you just can't understand what he's doing out there offensively or defensively. And so we really batted around the idea of putting him as a do not draft. Um, Yeah. I think he ended up like in our eighties or something like that on the EP board. He was in the sixties for me. So yeah, people maybe are going to look at him and be like, Hey, you know, big fluid skating defenseman, you know, had, had some pedigree, maybe it was going to go higher, but for fantasy it's like, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go near him for, for this purpose. (laughs) Nice. All right. And the last guy is Xavier Borgo who uh, went 22nd overall to Edmonton. Um, Maybe a bit of a reach for them for fantasy. Yeah. And just like a terrible idea. Like they had Jesper Volstead was just like sitting there. Like it just, it couldn't have, it couldn't have gone better for them. Like they're signing like a a 50 year old Mike Smith to multi-year extensions right now. They don't have a goaltender of the future coming up in Edmonton. Like what Volstead? Like, yeah. Okay. So there's, there is a lot of buzz that he fell for two reasons, which aren't super cool. One reason really, but he, he, so He's got Asperger's. I'm not sure if you guys knew that is that, which is, which is on the autism spectrum, which makes social situations really difficult for people um, who have Asperger's. And so I don't know if that's actually why he fell, but like that's people were speculating, like, why isn't this top 10 talent going in the top 15 even like, why is, why is Volstead still slipping a little bit here? And like, yeah, not every organization wants to spend the draft capital, but some things that were sent my way were like, Hey, is this the Asperger's thing getting in the way? Um, 
but I had some other teams tell me like, I had, I know that there was multiple teams actively trying to trade up when he was sliding um, that a team had a deal set up with Boston, which was supposed to be one pick later, I believe. Um, but, and they couldn't quite get up to Edmonton's range is Edmonton didn't want to slide back that far and fear that they were going to lose out on Borgo, who they probably could have got like in the thirties. Um, but yeah, that was, this one really pissed me off because it's like, it was just sitting right there, like go and take the goalie. So Borgo, he's an interesting player. He's an O2 kid. So he, he was a bit older for this crop. He's, you know, medium size, pretty good skill upside, you know, plays a kind of a soft skilled game. I just, uh, yeah, maybe he breaks right. Like maybe he turns out to be this like really skillful top six forward that can complement all these good players in Edmonton. Um, or maybe he's like not even an NHLer. So um, for me, like I would have much preferred to swing on the goalie who could be like a franchise pillar versus like, Hey, maybe we'll get a second line winger out of this pick. I remember when, when that happened, when it, when, when Wallstead fell into their lap, I was like, okay, no brainer, just, you know, hit the easy button, take Wallstead. And then they trade it back. And I'm thinking, Wow, they must know that Minnesota and Boston are not going to take Wallstead, or else yeah. why would they trade back? And then, and then the Wild just walk up there and take Wallstead. It was fantastic. Of course. Oh man, I was, I, I yeah, like Mini crushed that, and for a third round pick, like that's all they had to give up yeah. was a third round pick. I, I just, I just don't get it to move up like five spots and get by far the best player sitting there at that level. Like it just, it made no sense to me. Uh, so home run, way to go, Minnesota. Now, like their prospect pipeline is getting jacked up, which is unsurprising, right? Judd Brackett, director of amateur scouting for them, used to be for the Canucks when he, they, he was pulling all these great picks for the Canucks, and then they blew it in Vancouver and let him go. And uh, Bill Guerin recognized the talent. And as soon as he stepped in there, their drafts have just been taken off. Like the yeah. Wilder quickly, quickly developing one of the, the best pipelines in the league. And they're a team that's already in contention status, too. So that's a good recipe. Yeah, definitely. Do quick follow up on that. Do you not think that Konovalov is uh, is kind of the real deal? Because I agree they should have taken Wallstead, but Edmonton does have him, and he seems like a bit of a late bloomer, but a nice uh, goalie prospect. Yeah, you know he. What is he now? He's got to be twenty one. 22 even um i think he's good I, I i don't know if he's i don't know if he's the guy like he had a good season in the khl this year i'll give him that for sure he, he played well he plays for what yaroslav i think um yeah he he's he's fine but he's like five foot nine or some shit right like he's he's a baby he's not five foot nine but he's, five he's small five eleven there you go yeah. he's small um so that's that's an uphill battle forever right like how many nhl goalies are under six foot one UC Soros, right? Like, I think, I think that's the benchmark. If you, if you're not six foot and then there's like Nadolkovich, Halak, um, I don't know too many other six foot goalies that are even in the league. So it's tough. It's very, very difficult to be an NHL starter when you're that size and, and you have to be the very best. Um, so, you know, Volstead, six foot three, maybe six foot four, even with all the pedigree, with the technical side, like that would be a far easier bet than being like, Hey, this like Russian kid who's 21, 22 had a good year in the KHL is five foot 11. He's going to be our goalie of the future. That has, that, that has disaster written all over it. I think it could work. It could work, but like it took Soros until he was like 25 or something to really get there. Like your years out probably from kind of all of being there. So I don't know. I think I think it's not a great play. I like my goalies big; they can get across the net better. You know, I, I love a kid in Vancouver, Mikey DiPietro, and I'm I root for the small guys. I think it's great because they have to rely on just like electric speed and, and agility, and that's usually a recipe for some fun saves and some big like desperation second and third ones that hit the highlight reel. Um, 
But if I'm picking a goalie to, to lead my franchise, they're probably not the first ones I'm looking at. That's so weird that Volstead uh, is uh, Asperger's. Uh, I heard him give an interview and he really sounded pretty smooth. So I it, yeah, it's, it up. Yeah, it's something that he's obviously worked on, right? And and to be in those situations and they're coming, right? Like there's going to be interviews, lots of them probably. Um, and so it's something that he'll have to adjust and adapt to. But yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't spoken to him myself. He's not one of the players that I chatted with. I'm not the goalie guy, um, but I love his game. And his game, I think, speaks very clearly on the ice. And so he doesn't really need to talk that much in the dressing room in front of the cameras for my money. No, no. Uh, well, we've covered some guys who who got out of that first round of the real NHL draft. But anybody else you want to hit who was uh, like a second round guy, Cam? Um, you know, a kid, Olin Zellweger in Anaheim, they, they crushed it. I thought the Ducks had a great draft. Zellweger was in my top 25, just another super young player for this crop. Um, like a week or so away from being 2022 eligible, like one of the best skaters, like just stylistically and his form mechanics, everything. It's so, so pure. And he's still 17. Um, like that is only going to get better. Like they got, they got Drysdale there. So he's going to chew up all the fun PP minutes, but like watch out for Zellweger to be a player for them anyways. And so, you know, maybe he's not going to be, um, Sam Gerard, like they're not, he's not going to be the spinorama master, but he could be that type of guy for the ducks. That's going to drive a ton of offense at five on five and lock down your second power play unit. And so if Anaheim can get enough talent that they could have a second power play unit, like Colorado's where it's like, we're actually interested in these guys or in deeper leagues that he's, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, I'm trying to think who else, uh, you know, the Kings got Francesco Pinelli. Obviously the Kings just keep doing what they do. Get these high, high upside kids. I think Pinelli should have gone top 25 for sure. Fall into outside the top 40. I uh, needs, needs better pace of play, but he's got top six upside for sure. They might move him to the wing. He's, he's usually plays center, but he's kind of a lumbering style. So maybe they put him onto the wing. Carolina, Billy Koivinen. Uh, our Finnish guy for EP had him as the top ranked Finn in the draft. Um, he's, he's kind of the guy that he was like, if you want to take a swing on someone who could be Sebastian Ajo, it's Vili Koivinen. And, you know, he converted me. I got another, I got another buddy who works on the team side. who was like, nah, 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 you know, not even a top 10 Finn. So it's really, we weren't surprised that he fell this much. Um, but I think he's got first round skill. And then I don't know, where did, uh, where they get them like close to 50, 51 is where Carolina got them. And of course, Carolina got them. They just always find these guys. It's just sitting there waiting for them. And they have like a million picks every year too. Um, but no, I, I like Coivin in too. If you're looking for like a deep cut in a deep league that you're like, I could sit on this guy for a bit. Um, Samu Tuamala for Philly shooter kid can shoot it has this uh, has this problem with missing golden opportunities to pass the puck to someone else in like a high danger area and just rip it himself. But like, he just keeps shooting the puck and the puck usually, you know, it has, it goes in enough to, to keep him viable. So he's got that goal scoring upside. Matthew Nyes for Toronto should have been a first round. Probably should have been Montreal's first rounder for being honest. Like if he, he was a kid who I'd earmarked as he came into the draft year, as someone who could have been like, this guy could be a top 15, top 20 pick. And then he kind of had a bit of a slow start. He's like six, four, he's a power forward. And when he did that, it was like, is this guy like a fourth liner? And, but he's got hands. He's got just a wicked release, like a wicked, wicked release. He's at the summer showcase right now. And, uh, like he, he let some absolute snappers go that are like, oh man, that's an NHL shot like already. So I, I like him sneaky, sneaky, especially for Toronto. 
where they're so capped out that they're going to need to just continue to find these guys on ELCs, plug them into the top six, like get them in there because you know, the, their big three cost all the money. So you have to supplement him. So he's a big boy who's got like a, you know, an upside there. But again, we're talking, we're talking a weight on these kids when we're, when we're talking about players picked in the fifties and sixties, you got a few years weight, but he is a big boy. Um, which can sometimes help. I'm just pulling up now. I can't remember if he's an O2 kid or not. Um, he is, he's an O2 kid. So he's older, 6'3", 205, um, going to the U of M's of Minnesota. Uh, he, he's an interesting one too. So looking two, three years down the road in Toronto though. So I, I'd say those are a few in the second round. All right. And then, you know, the OHL didn't get going this year, which means there will be some guys that could have been first rounders that that never got to show it, you know, kind of like uh, Jack Quinn exploding in that 2020 draft season. Uh, if you look at his draft minus one year, not uh, not terribly impressive. Um, so who are the the OHL guys that uh, that maybe take a flyer on later in your draft that, that could just break out in the draft plus one season? Yeah. So I mentioned Pinelli. I, I think that he would have I think he would have had a big year playing for Kitchener. Um, and then he obviously, obviously had to go overseas. So he he's one to watch. Um, I think, you know, the OHLers that got drafted were going to get drafted anyways. And, and maybe they slipped a little bit. Like obviously Clark, I think he, he would have had a bigger season too if he, if the OHL would have gone on and that he probably would have gone earlier as well. But um, you know, a kid, Ty Voigt, um, he's someone who I earmarked as he's, he's got a lot of skills. He's one of these divisive prospects in, in scouting circles that some people would be like, Nope, too soft, too soft skilled of a player. I'm not going to make it. Or it's like, you know, got a lot of skill. Maybe he makes it big. Um, so he's one that I'd like to see. He only got to play the Erie showcase this year. So like basically completely losing his draft eligible season is, is really tough. Um, Carl Lockhart, right? Like I think he was a number two or number three overall pick in the OHL priority a couple of years ago had a pretty good 16 year old season too. Um, and from all reports is like one of these guys, like one of these like glue guys in the room, leadership qualities. They love him in Erie. Uh, you know, the Canucks took him late, late lost his entire season. Like no, no hockey. And it's really hard. I know some teams that just like said they weren't going to pick OHLers who didn't play this season. Is this just, it's really difficult to gauge like where the hell are they? I don't know where they're at. Like I'm watching 16 year old tape and you know, we could be talking and uh, I need to be seeing something that should be like 14 months newer. And there's so much progression that can take place over that time. And so they were just staying right away from them. So a Lockhart's a kid that I've, that I've, I've earmarked as someone who could, like, he could explode. Like he's always been a finisher. The problem is he's like five foot nine and he's not a burner, but maybe he is now. Like, I don't even know. Like he could be like the best skater in the draft. We have no idea. Um, he's definitely not, but, um, <laughs> you know, so th- those are a couple guys that, you know, especially, especially Lockhart, like late in the draft, like he's someone, it's going to be a project pick, but like he's someone who we could be watching next season, put up monster totals in his draft plus one that you just didn't see coming because that's what he's was supposed to do when he got drafted so early in the OHL priority. It's like, he was supposed to be a superstar in the OHL. That's the kids that go for second, third. Right. Um, so yeah, he, he's definitely one to watch too. Well, let me, let me change gears a little bit on you, Cam. Uh, one, one question that I've had in my mind a lot lately has to do with the development more so than just the drafting of these guys. You know, we see the talent when they come out in the draft we know, you know, maybe what they look like when they get to the NHL. We, we we see what happens there. But in between, there's a lot of development that happens. And certainly there must be some variation between organizations in how that kind of happens. I, I Even though that's kind of dispersed across different, you know, the whole massive system of, of, uh, of 
pre-pro hockey uh, out there in the world. Are there any teams that you think are particularly good or particularly bad at helping take uh, the talent that comes to them in the draft and turning them into a really good NHL player? There are. There's a lot of teams that are good at it. Um, so some some are better than others. And there are some teams that are pretty bad at it. And so it's really easy to see, right? Teams that can like slide top picks into their lineup early, that's not development, right? If you get a top 10 pick and he stays a year in whatever league he's in and then he goes right into the NHL, you didn't develop that player at all. Um, maybe your coach put him in a situation to succeed early on and that's helped them elevate through and that's developing them in the NHL, um, which is also very important too. But your developmental system is like, can we get this player? Can we work with them? At our summer camps, you know, if they're in the NCAA, maybe we don't get to see him so much. Can we get him into training camp? Can we work with him? Can we have our developmental coach talking to him, going to games, watching video, giving notes, um, have him on a food program, have him on a training program, get him into the American League? And we're talking picks in the second, third, fifth round, right? Like these are the guys that if you can pull NHLers out of that zone, you get them on those plans, you get them coming up. Now you get them in the American League. What is your American League team all about? Is it selling tickets? in winning AHL games or is it developing the players that you hope will be on your NHL team in two, three, four years, right? These long, these long investments. Um, Because if it's winning AHL games, you got a bunch of dudes making like 300 K that are quad a guys that you can like bring up and plug on your fourth line. If a bunch of injuries click in, but they're never going to be a part of your team, but they're going to go down and be really impactful AHL guys and push all your own prospects way down the, the pecking order. And they don't get the opportunities and the reps to build their game at that level. And consequently they stagnate and they never become NHLers. And so teams that do really well at that is you can see they're like, Hey, how'd they get another fifth rounder making their club? You know, what's, what's this all about? And it's, and you go back and you see, Oh, you know, big progression in the AHL over three years of American league action. So some teams that are doing well at that right now, LA, right. Their American league team is like a bunch of babies, which I love. They don't care if they're making mistakes. They're all under like 23 and they are making mistakes. They're blowing leads late. You know, they're getting crushed sometimes. And then they're out there like scoring goals. They're learning. They're making those mistakes and they're learning from them. Love it. LA, I think is doing a great job. Carolina, Carolina is doing a lot of good things. I know that they went and just signed TDA there, which was a, a big slap in the face of, of their brand. I would say I'm really disappointed to see, but they're doing a lot of good things with their drafting and developing Colorado. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay doesn't even need to draft some of these guys. They just like go and grab some kid out of the queue who puts up 140 points that everyone left for dead because he's five foot nine. They sign him, they put him in the American league and they develop him, And then they get them for like two entry level contract deals for some, somehow they keep these kids making under a million for like six years. And, and then they've got themselves a second line winger. Like they are, they kill it. And that's why they're continuing to be a contender. They have to pay their big guys. And then they wash out their three or $4 million player for a kid making nine fifty, And he can step right in and do a similar job. Um, you know, Minnesota is starting to do that too. Some of the bad teams, Vancouver is awful at player development. Their best players go from the draft floor to the NHL. They get developed elsewhere and then they come in the NHL. And sometimes they don't even, sometimes that doesn't even work for them. Um, but they, they hardly ever grow someone in the American league. I think, you know, like maybe Thatcher Demko, you, you could say is, is like their only success story to the American league in like the last decade, which is pretty sad. Um, 
you know, Florida is not that great at, at developing their guys. Like they've had a lot of players that had some, you know, Borgstrom, I think Owen Tippett's development hasn't been great there. Um, they, they bring some guys over from the KHL and then put them in the American league and they just hate it because they're not getting the minutes. And then they came over for a different reason and they're losing out on it. So I, I don't think Florida's all that great at it. Edmonton, they're not that great at it. You know, they have found some players. I'll give them that and that have come up, but they're traditionally as a whole, they're not a great organization at drafting and developing. So it's key, you know, like it's, it's almost as important, maybe equally important as identifying talent ahead of the draft and who you pick. And then what can you do with them once you draft them? Because, you know, if I'm a team that like looks at my, my development model, and I'm like, we're not bringing anybody through. Like nobody who isn't awesome is getting up. I'm going to, I'm going to take safe picks. I'm going to take players that are like, this guy's going to be closer to NHL ready to be a number six or seven defenseman. And I get an NHL player out of it. Or this guy's going to be like our fourth line forward. Maybe I'll take him rather than taking a swing on an upside pick because we're not going to develop him. We're not going to, he doesn't have a chance here. And so where players go definitely has a great impact on, on what their future ceiling and potential is going to be. And, and yeah, there are definitely some teams that are better at than others. Yeah, that's, that's huge. You definitely want to think about that at least as a tiebreaker when you're looking at the later end of your fantasy draft and, and whether to, to grab some of those flyer guys, let me, uh, you know, the other question that comes up as I think about this cam is, you know, you you do your job really evaluating these prospects and where you would take them within the NHL draft. Are there any GMs in the NHL who, when they draft somebody higher than you would have expected, your first instinct is to say, oh, shoot, what did I miss? Because they maybe have a track record of success that that makes you think maybe maybe they're seeing something there that I didn't see rather than you know, uh, just because they've had such success in the past. Is there anybody that you feel that way about in the NHL? No, I'm obviously always right. A hundred percent. No, I do not have that kind of hubris. Um, I am not like it's, it's, this is a, this is a learn on the job as well. Right. Like I am constantly evolving and trying to better myself and looking for errors and, and things that in my own game. Uh, so I've always got time. I've always got time for, for when a, a GM or a scout, you know, contradicts what I'm saying or like, you know, sh- tries to show something in a different way. I want that. I like, I want to soak it all up. I want to learn from my mistakes. And so, yeah, there's some teams out there that make some picks that I'm like, Hmm, because it's that team, you know? So Stevie, why? Like when they make a pick, mm-hmm. when they pick most cider, I liked most cider. I didn't have them six overall, but when he went there, I immediately liked it. Cause I was like, yeah, He's big, he's right-handed, and you guys like him, that means he's probably got some juice. You know, <laughs> if a team like Vancouver goes out and reaches on a kid and they're like, we like this guy, I'm like, you're probably wrong. Like, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I <laughs> like your upside picks and your your swings don't always make a lot of sense and don't always pan out. So if you have a history of doing that, uh, you know, that's going to reflect in how I'm going to observe it too. Uh, so yeah, there, there are some teams, uh, but even the smart teams make dumb, dumb picks like you sure, know, Tampa Bay, sure. I think had just a, like a dog shit draft basically this, this year. And, and usually they do well, but like I said, they'll probably go sign some free agents, some like 21 year olds that'll be better than most <laughs> of their picks anyways. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. No, Stevie wise, definitely a guy that comes to mind for me with that. And, and any 2021 picks, I mean, just, just a couple of them that you think, 
because they were drafted by a certain team and either that team's development or their their context of what their pro team is like, you feel like it's just uh, it's going to be kind of a, a huge hit to the value you would have hoped for them before the draft. Um, like for well, I mean, like Owen Power going to Buffalo, right? If that's what we're looking for, so so that sucks for him and his fantasy upside because Darlene's going to chew up all the fun minutes. Like, there's no, I, I can't see a world where they swap those positions and Darlene becomes your shutdown second power play guy. Um, Owen Power's going to be the stopper, but if he went to Seattle. Like if he had slipped to two and gone to Seattle, they would have been like, here's our guy. Like here's our going to be our franchise number one defenseman. We're going to give him 30 minutes a night, even though he's not going to be like an elite point producer, he's going to get to play all those fun minutes and get a lot of points. So if you went to Seattle, I could have been like, yeah, we could see 50, 55 point seasons from home power. He goes to Buffalo. I'm like, yeah, we could see 30, 35 point seasons from power. Um, so I, I think that his stock got, got hit a little bit there. Um, you know, Dylan Gunther's going to the desert. That's a bummer. You know, maybe Clayton Keller's that pure passer type that can get him the puck and he can unleash it. And, you know, maybe he's only, maybe he only goes back and plays one more year for the oil Kings. And then because it's the coyotes and they don't want to spend any money on anyone anyways, and they'll just plug him in on his entry level and, and he'll get some chances early on and, and he'll, she should get power play time. It's just, I have like, I don't have a lot of, a lot of time for the desert. I will say this though. They're quite clearly tanking for 2022-23, which is smart, right? Like they're going to go and take a swing at Shane Wright. And now all of a sudden, if you get yourself Shane Wright or Brad Lambert or Daniil Uroff or one of these like elite 2022 kids, and then you're shitty again and you get a swing at Bedard and Mishkoff. Um, there's some other 2023 kids coming up too. Um, Jaeger, like it, it's going to be a fun group coming in the next couple of years. If they can get two of those heavy hitters, now I got time for Arizona. And they got Gunther and they'll still have Keller and that, that could be a lot of fun. But if they tank out and then they fall in the draft in the lottery and they're picking six and they get like some good guys, but like maybe not these elite guys, and it's like, you know, it just continues to be womp womp. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the the next thing I want to ask you about is we heard a lot pre-draft about Kosa being sort of valued better, you know, ahead of Wallstead. And uh, he ended up going five spots earlier. Uh, it was a bit of a fall for uh, both. We thought that I thought that maybe one of them would go in the top 10. Um, but I put this hot take out there. This was even before the Sharks drafted Benjamin Gaudreau. Uh, so this really had nothing to do with my Sharks fandom. But I sure, sure. said that <laughs> I said that that Gaudreau was closer to Kosa than Kosa is to Wallstead. Are you gonna get on that hot train? Yeah, I, I like I like hot takes. Um, I came I came a long way on Kosa. He's extremely athletic and to be six foot seven now measured in this summer at six, seven, not even, he wasn't, he wasn't even happy at six, six. He had to go to six, seven Um, to like, you're already at that size. You're already at the other post, right? Like it's just, you don't even have to move laterally half the time, Um, but he is quick, like lightning quick across. So he's like for Volstad. I really love Volstad because he's six, three, six, four, and he's technically so advanced. Again, that's what a goalie coach is going to, as soon as they get their hands on these kids, it's like, stop moving. Like, just stop moving. All these goalies with their active hands and their body and pucks are going through them all the time. That's what you see between a junior goalie 
and an NHL goalie or even an NCAA, a really great NCAA goalie and an NHL goalie. It's like their movements are just, it's you, you slash them by like 75%. Uh, so for Falstad, he's already got that. Like he's, he's a pro already. Coast is not a pro in that regard, but the upside is huge in a player, his size with his quickness. And if they can just get him to stop moving, like there's a, there's a ton of upside there and, you know, going to Detroit, they, I know they just got Nadalkovich. Um, it's time to a couple of years and we'll, we'll see how that works out. I'm, I'm really high on Nadalkovich, but again, he's a six foot tall goaltender that Carolina deemed not valuable, which was also a head scratcher for me. Um, but there's definite upside that, you know, Detroit is building long-term and Kosa could be, you know, at least a very good one. Um, I, I got time for Ben Goodrow too. And I know like I, I had heard months ago that Luongo liked him a ton um like that he that i was expecting florida to maybe to jump on him earlier on um but you know i trust goalie people for for a lot of it there are things that i look for when i'm watching goalies too but like the way that they can break down their movements and what they need to do i just don't have that ability i never played the position um you know i listen to what they say i'm like oh yeah yeah that makes sense um but I don't think I'm going to get that spicy. I think that it was close. I obviously had Volstad ahead of Kosa. I, I had him like number, I don't know, seven on six or seven, six on my board. And Kosa was in the teens. Um, but the upside is definitely there for him to, to hit a home run. I just think it's going to be a bit of a longer wait. One of the great things about talking with you, Cam, is that you live on both sides of this fence between real draft value and fantasy draft value. So are there guys who is is people who you know people are really studying this draft and trying to figure them out for fantasy purposes? Are there tell us maybe a guy whose fantasy value is much higher than their real life value, and uh, one in the inverse their their uh, their fantasy value uh, or their their real life value is much higher than their fantasy? Yeah, so you know I think that I think that like. Ken Johnson has that, that really, really high fantasy value. But at the same time, like if he hits and his fantasy value is that high, then he's going to be a good player in real life too. He's just not going to be someone that you're going to want killing penalties probably. Um, so for like an all around player that you're going to, that a coach is going to love to wheel out there for a ton of minutes in all situations, defending lead and stuff like that. Like he's probably not going to be that player, um, but he has the upside in fantasy to be a 70 plus point player, like a slick player. Um, so I think he's got the upside. I, I mentioned Owen power already. I think that his, that his value is going to be far more uh, on the ice than on the score sheet. And so that's obviously going to be a disparity between the fantasy value. Um, You know, for kids that are already drafted, um, I think a guy like Evan Bouchard isn't a very good hockey player. I know Edmonton's, if they haven't already, I think they brought Barry already back, but long-term Bouchard should get that top power play gig there, even though he can barely skate. The kid's got a howitzer. So in real life, like he's someone you're going to need to shelter. uh, But if he gets the fun minutes and, you know, watch out, that's kind of the situation for lots of teams with defenders is that if they don't have like a pure power play guy, someone's going to get those minutes and they might not even deserve them. But if they get them, that's obviously going to make a a huge stake for like, remember Eric Gustafson a couple of years ago in Chicago got 60 points and then just like off the map and people are like he's so good he got 60 points he's like he actually kind of sucks as a player 
but he gets to pass the puck to Patty Kane all the time. Um, so, you know, and same with like Mo Sider, I mentioned too, right? Like he's, he's amazing. He's so, so good. Like I think he, he's going to be a top 10 defenseman in the NHL in a hurry, um, but he's probably never going to get 55, 60 points. He's never going to be scoring like a top five or top 10 defenseman. He's just going to be like really awesome in real life. So if you're in a multi-cat league, he's going to just like plow everyone over too. So if you count hits and then maybe you can juice him up a ton there. All right. So one, one of our, uh, some of our listeners really wanted to hear about Quinn Byfield. And I know that you were one of the biggest truthers out there saying he should have gone first overall last year. And I, I know it's way still, still way too early to tell. Um, but are you going to double down on your claim of Byfield being the best from that 2020 draft? Yeah, of course I am. No, I, I'll triple down on it. He <laughs> is awesome. Like, and, and the whole thing is, is that, you know, you could be like, Oh, you know, Alexi Lafreniere didn't have a great rookie season. Like maybe Cam was right. Maybe Cam was right after all. It's like, no, that, that none of this is matters right away. Right. Like that, that Lafreniere didn't have a great rookie season and that Byfield was in the AHL started out pretty sluggish. Big surprise dude was still 17. Basically when the season started, I guess it was a late start. So he was already 18, but you know, youngest player in the league, um, youngest skater in the league. And he went out and put 20 points in, in like 30 games and most of those were in the back half of the season. Like he was basically a point again player in the AHL as a young 18 year old, which they're not even allowed to do normally. Like the only reason he was there is because of the pandemic, right? Like he should have been back in Sudbury, just putting up like a million points, which would have sucked for his development. There are some players that got totally screwed by this pandemic, obviously just from a sport landscape here. We'll, we'll keep it focused on that. Um, and then some players actually like did really well by getting to play pro hockey this year. Um, and Byfield was absolutely one of those guys. And so I, I've heard the league that they're, they're going to make amendments to that. If you played X amount of games in the American league this past season, you can do it again even if you're under 20. So, um, cause that was a big question mark. It's like, what does LA do? They have to bring them up. They have to bring them up and play for the Kings because there's no way they can send them back to Sudbury. Um, so, you know, he's, he's going to be a bit of a weight just because of how big he is. Like he is, what's he's, I think he's, he might be six, five now at two twenty five, And he's, he hasn't even like physically developed yet. Like that is so scary to me for the way that he can handle the puck, how he can shoot the puck, how he can break down situations. Um, I, I already saw it in the American league, re, you know, like I said, early on in the season, cause I'm interested in, in watching the rain is, is, is so much fun. All these fun prospects. I'm supposed to be just watching draft eligible tape, but I, I, I can't help myself sometimes is that he, the speed and play, and it's kind of gritty and grindy down in the American league a lot too. And it's not a lot of fun hockey, but he figured it out and he figured out how to problem solve and how to attack space better. I think it, he would attack players too much with possession in the OHL because he could, and he could, he could, you know, stick handle around them despite his size um, where he needs to look for some more soft areas. And he did that. He was forced to do that in the American league because it's tighter checking. You need to go and find those soft spots. And so he did that already. And my God, like what they're doing in LA He's going to be so insulated with so much talent around him. I know Lafreniere is similar position for the Rangers, right? Like they have a ton and ton of skill there too, already on the roster. So they're both going to be a good spots. I think they're both going to be really good players. But if you're asking me to pick between like the six foot five center who, you know, could be a pillar or like the six foot one winger, you know, it, that winger better be scoring 40 plus goals every year for me to even consider it. Definitely. I'm so excited. Uh, it doesn't matter that I'm a Sharks fan. I'm loving what the Kings are doing, and I can't wait to see Byfield in that in that role. Absolutely. Um, 
Last year, we just wanted to rapid fire some guys. We put out in our Discord that that we were having you on. Of course, a lot of our uh, a lot of people listen to us. Love love your takes and love wanted to hear specifically about some guys. Um, so you can say as much or as little about these guys as you want. But uh, here are the names: so Peter Reynolds, Cole H- Huckins, Sasha Pasajov, Scott Morrow, Delina Klim- Klimovich, uh, yeah. Ryan Ufko, and Devin Levy. What do you think of these guys? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like Reynolds, he was on my board. Um, he was on our EP ringside board and didn't get drafted. I thought that was a surprise. You know, he had a pretty good season in the queue there for St. John. Um, but you know, redraft kid it's that's for anything fantasy. It's let's wait and see. And like a long, long time. So like, I, I have very little interest in him. Um, Cole Hawkins, nah, you know, middle six, maybe Sasha passage off. Now that's an interesting one because top 10 skill, can't skate and so in today's game if you can't skate like you can't keep up you can't you can't make things happen like there's no the days of kyle wellwood and his beer belly just like floating around on the pp are are done and right like he only could do it for a minute too uh but you know he went to anaheim i think um if he can figure it out if he can even get himself to like slightly below nhl average skating he's going to do some damage. Like he could be a player who could like kill you on the power play. Like he's an excellent power play player right now. Um, so passage off, I've got time for taking a swing on him late and just being like, here's a flyer on a kid and I'll just sit him in my minors and, and see what happens. Like a high upside player. Like, like that's someone I'm, 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 I'm only looking for high upside guys. Um, Scotty Morrow, you know, a lot of question marks about his, his desire. Uh, he played five years of high school hockey. It's just like he could have gone to full-time to the USHL two years ago. Could have gone full-time to Fargo this past season. Didn't stayed. Um, could have gone to Nodak. Like he, when the Mitchell Miller thing went down and yeah, Arizona forfeited his pick and then he got kicked off the, off the North Dakota team. They had an opening and Scotty Morrow's he's, he's committed there. And they were like, come right now, like come play your draft eligible season for us. And like, that would have been awesome. Go and play it in the NCAA or go back and play high school hockey for a fifth year. I know these kids want to win national championships, but there's a lot of question marks about big fish, small pond and like what his real desire is there. Right. Shot kid. I'm not even all that impressed with his, his tools though. You know, when he was playing for the force, um, he was outplayed by Jack Pert who won the Minnesota, Mr. Hockey award, another defenseman who just like took all the minutes and outplayed him demonstrably. Um, so I think Pert's a much better player. So uh, not a ton of time for Scotty Moore. The only thing is, you know, he went to Carolina, which is, which is good breeding ground anyway. So I think that their developmental system though is going to have their work cut out for him a little bit with Scotty Morrow, uh, Klimovich, um, you know, he, he's got upside. So yeah, I'll, I'll have some time for him. The dude's got a temper on him. Like, a, like my two-year-old, um, you just quick trigger and not all that directed in the proper emotions. You know, she accidentally bumps her head and she's coming over and hitting me for being a bad dad. Right. Like, like I didn't even do anything. This is, this is on you. Um, so he's, he's a similar mindset playing in the Belarusian league in the tier two, Belarusian league he's got hands the kid's got some hands and so he'll go on these solo rushes and like you know most of the time they don't work um and he'll get stick checked or rubbed out and then he just like throws an errant elbow at someone who had nothing to do with anything just because he's pissed off and you know i've got like some clips of him basically assaulting players like they have nothing to do with it and he just like starts throwing helmets and gloves punches he's just like grabbing the guy and just feeding him punches and gets like a double minor for roughing for nothing um so He's got nasty. He's got some nasty to him that's going to need to be channeled in a lot better ways. Um, but he can rip it too, right? Like he popped at the U18s. 
I don't even think he was on many draft boards, like on the team side of things, honestly, uh, because no one's out there scouting tier two Belarusian leagues unless they're told to. And like he did pretty good, but he couldn't even crack the top Belarusian league. And like some players draft eligible kids did and they played and they played and produced a lot more than his like one point in half a dozen games. So um, I think he's extremely raw. Vancouver already signed him because they want to have control over where he plays, which is fine. You know, they don't want him to go to the KHL and get swallowed up there, I guess. So he can go and play. I think Noran Ran has him in the queue has his rights. So they'll probably plug him in there, but you know, Super, super raw player. But if things break right, and unfortunately not a great developmental system in Vancouver, um, if they could bring him along, like he's got, he's got some, some middle six snarly goal scoring upside. So again, the skating's below average right now. That's going to have to clean up first and foremost, but you know, I got time for more than, you know, a guy like Huckins or Reynolds. Um, Ryan Ufko, meh, you know, Chicago product, like the steel kind of juiced up his value. Barely a, barely a pick in my mind. Um, Devin Levi though, I got time for him. Um, I think that I thought that that Reinhardt deal was like just a home run for Florida. They gave up. Was it, I think it was a protected pick and Devin Levi, who's never going to play for them because they have Bobrovsky till he's a hundred and then Spencer Knight. Like they're just locked in net and believe he's a player. So I think I liked, I like him going to Buffalo. Um, they don't have any, you know, they got Uka Pekalukunen, um, who wasn't great last year. Um, but I still have a lot of time for him long-term as an upside guy. Um, but no, I, I like Levi. I think that there's another one, you know, he's a seventh rounder, so he doesn't get heralded all that much, but his showing for team Canada really kind of juiced up that stock a bit and probably helped facilitate that trade as, you know, they, they put him and, and Lukanen as, you know, one of these guys should break as our starter, hopefully. And so if it's him, then, Maybe Buffalo's cool one day, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> I th- I think my real question. That's a lot of great information, Cam. But my real question is: uh, Is your two year old a right shot like Klimovich? Uh yeah, she's a righty for sure. My uh, my five year old. I got him a. He he does everything with his right hand. So I got him a right handed stick, and then he grabbed it and he kept trying to hold it on his left side. I guess I didn't know this really. Is that you know why there's so many left handed hockey players? but in the general population, there's so few is that when you're a kid, kids want to have their dominant hand at the top of the stick to control it. And so that's why we have no right shot defensemen because parents are out there just letting their kids grab the hockey stick on the left, but I already bought him a righty. So I was like, no, 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 I'm not buying you another stick. Yeah. And you're a righty. So we, we started it out. Yeah. He also told me he wanted to be a goalie. I was like, no, 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 no. You're going to be a right shot defenseman. We're going to take care of this really quick. <laughs> Good plan. Good plan. I didn't. I didn't pick up a hockey stick until I was like 16 and I'm right-handed and I played with a righty stick until I almost impaled myself because I kept trying to turn it over. Oh and, uh, yeah. So I, I shoot lefty. So I don't, I made sense to me why so many are left-handed, but, uh, but, but yeah, apparently that's not always, I can't case. even imagine now, but when I was, I don't remember Like when I was a kid, I probably played with almost like a straight blade when I first started playing, which is, which was probably what I should have done for him grabbing him a straight blade, but no, he got a, he got a fish hook for a righty and that's, that's where we're sticking. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Cam, this has been a wealth of information. Uh, I felt my ultimate uh, dynasty league standings. I felt my team go up like one slot just listening to you today about all this uh, information. Uh, And we'll list the names of all these players in our show notes uh, for people who want to go back and hear the more specific takes. But thank you so much. Uh, What where should people go to check out your work and keep up with you, Cam? 
Yeah. So hockey underscore Robinson. I, uh, I will try to take some time off in August and not just be addicted to <laughs> my Twitter app. Um, but we'll see so far, not so good. Um, and you know, EP ringside, we're doing all the, all the good stuff there, even over the summer, like content, like I've had a couple articles just in the, in the back end, just waiting to come out because we are pumping out so much that rather than get lost in the free agency shuffle. So, uh, we'll keep churning out good stuff there. The scouting season's already begun for 2022 kids. It's, it's disgusting, but I'm, I'm already checking in on some, some last year tape. Uh, so yeah, we'll just keep, keep the takes coming and I'll keep being sarcastic on Twitter and, and we'll have a good time. Yeah. I, I, I just want to encourage everyone too. I know for a long time, Cam, you've been, uh, you and I've been corresponding a little bit. And I remember early on when you had some spicy takes, you're like, uh, you know, definitely uh, we'll see how it plays out, but listen to me. And I think things will go well. And I can definitely attest to the fact that uh, I definitely followed your recommendations on a few sort of uh, takes that maybe not everyone agreed with and it's worked out really well for my league. So definitely uh, highly encourage uh, everyone to, to, you know, if you haven't already, I think most people already kind of know about you, but if they haven't, um, I usually defer to, well, what does Cam think? Uh, And that usually works well for me. (laughs) Should tell my wife that I feel like it's the opposite. WWCD. I like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Cam, and uh, good luck. People should definitely follow Cam. Uh, Maybe leave him alone for a couple weeks. Uh, He's already put out so much product. You could just go read that. Come on. He's he's not a machine, people. Leave him alone for a couple weeks, but uh, but then start following as he starts to put out more stuff. Thanks for so much, so much for being on with us today, Cam. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, there you have it. What a great interview with Cam Robinson, performed by Victor Nuno and Jesse Severe from the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast. Uh, this is Elon again, back in this room with maybe the loudest air conditioner I've ever heard. And I really hope you enjoyed this special presentation of Keevan Carlson, where we cross-posted this episode of the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast. Uh, so... Yes, as far as keeping Carlson goes, we're definitely going to have a lot of content coming at you soon. Recently, by the way, if you haven't gone back to listen, we had an interview with Lisa Dillman where we also brought in a ringer. Ben Burnett came and interviewed Lisa Dillman about the LA Kings. Before that, Brian and I did a four-episode series all about all of the off-season action from all the teams and all of the divisions, and that was a lot of fun. So definitely check that out if you didn't hear that yet. And Brian and I are going to be back to you soon to talk about the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League and generally how to design a league and announce that our league is going to be opening up registration very soon so stay tuned for that and a lot more make sure you're subscribed to keeping carlson as well as fantasy hockey life to just make sure you're always up to date with all the best fantasy hockey podcast action but okay with that i'm going to cue the outro music and i'll go ahead and read you the credits which are quite short since i did not make this show but yeah definitely you're going to want to check out the fantasy hockey life podcast they're at fan hockey life on Twitter, and obviously you can subscribe to them wherever you find your podcast. And also while you're on Twitter, definitely follow at hockey underscore Robinson to get Cam Robinson's great content. And also you can read all this great work at EP Rinkside. Uh, but with that, I guess I am out of here after I leave you with this one parting message, which is to ask you to do your best to make it true that fantasy hockey is for everyone.